Today's reading is from Exodus chapter 25, verses 10 to 40, and Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. Have them make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold moulding around it. Cast four gold rings for it, and fasten them to its four feet, with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with a cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upwards, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking towards the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark, and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commandments for the Israelites. Make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold moulding around it. Also, make around it a rim a handbreadth wide and put a gold moulding on the rim. Make four gold rings for the table and fasten them to the four corners where the four legs are. The rings are to be close to the rim to hold the poles used for carrying the table. Make the poles of acacia wood Overlay them with gold and carry the table with them, and make its plates and dishes of pure gold, as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. Make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer out its base and shaft, and make its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the size of the lampstand three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand. The second bud under the second pair, and the third bud under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be all of one piece with the lampstand, hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps, and set them up on it, so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be made of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Exodus chapter 30 Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide, and two cubits high. Its horns of one piece with it. 
overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold, and make a gold moulding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the moulding, two on each of the opposite sides, to hold the poles used to carry it. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law, before the atonement cover that is over the tablets of the Covenant Law, where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or any burnt offering or grain offering and do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year, Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. This is a reading of God's word. Great. That's an exciting passage. I'm sure you agree. <laughs> Why don't we pray together? Father, thank you that uh, you are our God. Thank you that you reveal yourself and we can know you. I pray that uh, as we look at your word together, you would speak to our hearts uh, about how great you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting reading. I don't know how many sermons you've had basically on furniture. Yeah. Um, the music leader emailed me a week beforehand. Okay, I can't find any songs about furniture. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you like reading, novels, uh, some good theology. I don't see many people kind of reading an IKEA catalog for fun. Or even worse, the IKEA building instructions, right? Those kind of white pages on the MTR, people just enjoying themselves. <laughs> no, building instructions for furniture. I guess these are the kind of chapters that put people off, right? In a way, it should be so exciting. God has rescued his people uh, from Egypt, uh, made them his own, and now he's coming to live with them. But then we get all these detailed instructions. And and these chapters take up nearly 40% of Exodus, which is why we want to spend at least a few weeks on it. But, you know, I guess sometimes you wonder, does God actually want us to read his word? Because I I know why we're all here. We want to know about God. We want to see Jesus. We want to trust him more. We're struggling with with life. We're struggling with work, with relationships. And we feel God is the answer. We want to know about him. But instead we get furniture. Well, the good news is uh, this furniture really is about knowing the Lord. It is there to teach us about God and who he is. It's there, yeah, to be a reminder for the people as they were there that, you know, this is your God. This is who he is. I mean, furniture does tell you something about their owner, usually, right? Um, Here's two different rooms. Look at the different pictures. Uh, It's very clear that one is a a guy who likes to sit in front of the TV. The other person is very social. Uh, It tells you something. Uh, I don't know, if I go to your living room and I look around, would I know things? But especially, there's two reasons why really this furniture is about knowing the Lord. Uh, First of all, this furniture, most of it is just symbolic. Uh, You can see this picture, there's quite a few bits of furniture. There's bits, gold bits inside the tent and then bronze things outside. Now the bronze things 
they're very practical. There's an altar that constantly has sacrifices on them. There's a, a basin where priests can wash their hands and feet, uh, and that's useful. But the furniture inside the tent almost never gets used. Or it seems to be, yeah, not to have much purpose. So there's, this, for example, this table with bread. And so every Sabbath they make bread, they put it on it. It stays there for a whole week. It's just lying there on the table. And then they put new bread on it and the priests have to eat the old bread. I mean, well, what's the point of just having bread on a table for a week? If I was a priest, I'd love to eat it straight away, right? <laughs> it's just there. Yeah, it, but it's there just to be a symbol. Uh, this ark, almost no one ever saw it. Only once a year, uh, the high priest goes in, puts some blood in front of it. It's just symbolic, right? Uh, so God must have a reason for it. Also, you know, the furniture is all there is. Uh, people were used to temples. We, we are used to temples. Go to Chekung Temple, look inside. Very different from the tabernacle. Why? Well, you can see it here on the picture, isn't it? Uh, all those temples, you've got an image of the God. Here, there is just, well, what's in the most holy place? There is a, a throne. But it's empty. There's no God. Of course, he's symbolically there, but, you know, God is not a, an image. Of course, that's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Don't make an image of God. In fact, what do we have? Well, what do we have in this throne? Well, God says... Uh, put there the tablets of the covenant law, the, the Ten Commandments. Which makes a lot of sense, right? Because how did God reveal himself to them? Well, they didn't see anything. He gave them words. Uh, this is how Moses describes it later, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 11-13, looking back on Mount Sinai. Uh, you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, you can see the point. You saw no form. You heard only words. And so here there is no image of God, but there are words. The words that he spoke back then on Mount Sinai. Yeah, that's a big thing in the Bible. We know God through his words. We, we can't see him directly, but he gives us words. It's why we preach through the Bible, why we emphasize the Bible. And we know God by his spirit through his word. Uh, not, that's not just New Testament. That's all the way back here. But at the same time, it's, it's not just words on a page, isn't it? God also reveals himself through, well, visible words. And the whole Old Testament tabernacle, sacrifices, it was all God revealing himself, teaching people. Especially, yeah, teaching the gospel, teaching Christ. And just to say, of course, that it's a bit different for us now. Uh, Jesus was the ultimate word, right? John calls him the word. But that is because God was, was visible. Yeah? Um, you could see him. And we now have uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, visible words but, but but not God directly right visible words and at the same time they're mainly words as we heard last week most of the stuff was never seen it was inside people would read about it here just like with Jesus we read about him and ultimately it's about the words which is I guess why as a church we shouldn't have incense here and 
most holy places and those kind of things. It's all changed in the New Testament. But yeah, um, this is their, yeah, their words. These things are there to help us know God. And of course, some of it just fits in with the tabernacle. I mean, part of it is just God's dwelling place, right? The tent is God living there with the people. And, and, and this is furniture. It's not just an empty tent. Uh, you may know this story, uh, 2 Kings 4, the prophet Elisha regularly stops with this couple and stays overnight. And so they say, um, let's make a small, 2 Kings 4.10, uh, let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Hey, if you want to have a room, you put there a, you know, a table, a chair and a lamp. And what do we see here in the tent? A table, a chair and a lamp. Right? It is, God is really living there. It, <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole point, right? Uh, of course, gold thinks because he's the king. Uh, so in that sense, it's just part of the tabernacle. We saw also last week in God's holiness, right? No one could come in. And we see that here with this furniture, right? That's why they have these poles. You can't touch them because if you touch them, you'll die, as happens sometimes in the Bible. Uh, yeah, God is holy. But there's much more. Yeah, all these details we read, that they're rich in meaning, rich in symbolism. And yeah, there's three main things I want to, to draw out from the different pieces of furniture. First, as we look at the ark, well, he is the merciful Lord. The merciful Lord. I mean, the ark comes first, right? In, in all these instructions, the very first thing that's mentioned is the ark. Even before the tent itself. Uh, it's a kind of it goes from holy to least holy and you start yeah with God's throne it's the holiest object and, um, it's a, a what is it uh, yeah 25 verse 10 have them make an ark of acacia wood two and a half cubits long a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high overlay it with pure gold both inside and out make a gold molding hey it's the, the, this this shiny golden box uh, yeah, fit for a king uh, the lid on it is even pure gold uh, verse 17 make an atonement cover of pure gold with these, these cherubim these, these angels uh, it's like a throne uh, that's what he says verse 21 there above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law I will meet with you that is kind of where God the center of where God is but what do we see on this throne yeah <laughs> How does it describe it? On one hand, yeah, there's, there's the law, right? That is their agreement, their, uh, yeah, the thing they've agreed with God. He will be their God, they'll be his people, and so these, these commandments, yeah, it's, he's their Lord. But where are they? They are in a chest underneath an atonement cover. Yeah, they, they've seen the law, but now God says, yeah, that, but there's also going to be this atonement cover. Atonement, if you don't know the word, it comes from at one. It is a broken relationship and the parties are brought together. It speaks of mercy, of forgiveness. And, and that was the main thing that was used. No one ever touched the Ten Commandments. But the priest would come in once a year and, and sprinkle blood in front of this, this mercy seat. It, it's almost, the, that is where God sits. It's the thing that comes between him and the law. And that is something they needed to hear about God, his mercy. Right there on his throne is grace and mercy. 
And at the heart of God is is atonement, restoring relationship. It, it's not an afterthought that you know it was all going to be law and then okay things went wrong. No, right there, God already says, "Look, I, I'm, I'm merciful." Because if we just had the law, yeah, we would be doomed, right? I mean, I mean how, how do you see God? Yes, He's holy. He's the Lord, and we've emphasized that. Uh, we should live God's way. <laughs> it, it's reality. But God knows that we, we will fail. God knew they would fail. And so right there is this big reminder. God is, is merciful. Holy but merciful. He, he provides forgiveness, atonement, ultimately, yeah, ultimately through Jesus. And the Romans calls Jesus the atonement cover you know, through his death on the cross. But that is who God is, merciful. Okay, I guess we often feel dirty and guilty before him. We struggle, but we know it, it's our fault due to our sin, uh, our selfishness. And then we feel, well, we can't really come to God because it's all our fault. <laughs> yes, it is your fault. But, but God is the merciful Lord. We're never too bad for him. We can always come because above the law there, there is this, this mercy, this atonement cover. Uh, and it's not just that. Uh, there, there, there's more furniture. Second, I think he's the God who always cares. Who always cares. And we're now looking at those, those next two, the, the table and the lampstand. Uh, also made of gold, uh, a table of acacia wood, verse 23 two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high, overlaid with pure gold. Uh, likewise the lampstand, verse 31, make a lampstand of pure gold. They are closely associated, these three. They belong together. I don't think they're the Trinity, but you know that they belong together. And yet these two, as you can see in the picture, they're not in the most holy place. They're kind of, they're going out. God is not just there in himself, but he he goes out into the world with with something. Well, with what? First of all, with with bread. And it, this table you see there on the north. Uh, it's uh, well. It says verse thirty. Put the bread of the presence on his ta- on this table to me, be before me at all times. Uh, it's the bread of God of His presence. Uh, what kind of bread? Leviticus twenty four has the instructions, but it's it's twelve loaves to do with the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, unless there's not a, a verse that clearly says what it is. I mean, is it from them for God or from God for them? Uh, that's not fully clear, but my guess it is, well, I, I think, I'm pretty convinced, it's, it's from God for them. And even if it is his bread, he, he shares it. After all, this is Exodus. And if these people think of bread, they think of the manna, they think of God providing bread for them. And God doesn't need bread, right? A week later, it's still there. Here is a God who, who provides, and generously. Leviticus says, okay, 12 loaves of, um, they're about 3 kilo each. So you've got 40 kilos of bread. I mean, look at this picture. It was supposed to be these, these huge stacks of bread. They're just lying in God's presence. Loads of bread, generous provision. Uh, and, and not just bread, uh, the lampstand, of course, gives light. Again, this is, this is pure gold symbolizing God. Uh, seven cups, uh, which means, yes, yeah, seven is the number of perfection. It's clearly yeah, God providing light, just like the table providing bread. Uh, 
Uh, it looks like a tree, right? That's why you have almond flowers and buds and blossoms. It's, it's probably the tree of life. Uh, the, the light of life. Light has so many meanings, though. So many good things. It's not just life. I mean, light is protection and safety, right? Your kids, maybe when they were young, they didn't like the room to be all dark. They liked the light. We, we like the light. Think Exodus. They were in the desert, but they had this pillar of, of light, of fire, being there with them. So that they, they knew where to go, so that they wouldn't be lost. It, it, it's, yeah, protection, safety, not the dangerous dark. So both these things speak of, yeah, God's care, his provision, safety, life. And it's constantly there. Constantly. Yeah, because, what does it say? Uh, yeah, the light, oh no, that's in Leviticus, the light will burn the whole night. It never goes out. I mean, if you go to your office at 3 a.m., my guess is it's mainly dark, right? Maybe some poor people are still working, but it's dark because people are gone. What if the light burns the whole night? Someone is, is always there. God is always there, and, and he doesn't sleep. Again, that verse in, I left something out with that verse from two kings, because they would put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. There's no bed in the temple, because God doesn't sleep, right? He's never away that you're lost and, and God is just sleeping. No. And the food is, is always on the table. Uh, even when they carry it around, they carry it around with this huge stack of bread. It, it's just always there. Because God is, is always there. His provision, his care is always there, never absent. Uh, that is their God. Again, so reassuring. We, we, we often worry, don't we, of what might happen or about the things that we lack. Uh, can God... Give us what we need. Isn't it so reassuring to know that, that God always cares and always provides? Uh, they would look, okay, will we have manna again? Well, look at this huge stack of bread there before God. Will we be led tonight as well? Well, look at the light always there. Hey, you don't need to worry. You don't need to doubt how you will survive. God is, God is there. Hey, he, with us, among us, in us. Especially the, the things for the journey, of course. Uh, it's bread and light was there to get them to the promised land, to make it to him. And, and again, it's, it's Jesus, of course. He's the bread of life, the light of the world. Uh, Jesus says, this is all about me. Which is, yeah, any doubts about God? Look at Jesus. Look at what God provided and, and gave in him. Uh, such a, a wonderful God. Merciful he always cares, and, and you want to know that God, right? That is the one we, we need to know when we're here struggling. <laughs> yeah. But can we come to him? Because you remember last week we had the tabernacle, and it was a big keep out sign. Here's this great God, but he's in a tent, and you can't go in. A bit like going, uh, yeah, going to Hong Kong Island, one of those shopping centers, and there's all this expensive stuff that you can never buy. Yeah. Now the amazing truth is, we have access to this God. We do have access. And that is symbolized by that last bit. Uh, all the way in chapter 30, you can turn there. Uh, the last bit of furniture, the, the incense altar. Uh, and this is a, it's a funny bit. Uh, on, on the one hand, this is, you know, this is another gold thing. Hey, it's there. Uh, make an altar of acacia wood, 31st one. 
verse 3, overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold. And again, a gold molding. And it, it, it belongs to the other ones. It, it, it's gold. And look at the position, if you think about it. It's right there in the middle, right in front of the ark. And that's, that's where it should, should be. Verse 6, put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the ark before the atonement cover. It's right in the middle. And yet what's so weird is that this is chapter 30, not chapter 25. I mean, why not mention it with the other ones? Why does it come all the way at the end of this speech? Especially if it's kind of from holiest to, to less holy, this is the least holy object in some way. It comes after two chapters about the priesthood and how they are making atonement and everything. You'd think, let me do the furniture first, but no, this one only comes after you have a priest installed. Uh, it needs atonement. Verse 10. Once a year Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. Uh, this annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering. Uh, this altar needed blood to be there. The other bits didn't. Uh, it says, yeah, it's the most holy to the Lord, but it's holy as in set apart. It's not by itself pure. But what is that? What is something that's, that's unholy, but through the priest, through atonement, it's brought right into God's presence? I think it's the, it's the people. right? It, it's us. Something to do with us. You, you see that more when you think, well, how is incense used in the Bible? God talks about his people. I will accept you as incense in Ezekiel. Something right there in my presence. It's mainly linked with prayer. Here's two verses, one from the Psalms, 141 verse 2. May my prayer be set before you like incense. And he, he wants his prayers to be there in God's presence. Uh, Revelation 5 verse 8. Each one had a harp yeah, of the, some angels, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And that, that's something from you, you, you your prayers, or maybe, and ultimately you yourself, right there in God's presence. It makes it such a lovely picture, right? Your prayers are, are right there before the throne, right at the heart of these other bits, parts of furniture that represent God. It, it's a great picture. Here's this wonderful God, and you are right there. You have access. Uh, not because you are holy. Yeah? You need a priest, sacrifices, you need Jesus, but through him, you're there. Maybe you wonder, how can I connect to God who is so far from me, so holy, and I'm not? Yeah, you are separate, but through Jesus, you have access. Yeah, yeah and it, of course it has so many applications, but I think the big one from the way incense is used, let's think about prayer, right? So pray. I mean, if this is your God and you have access to him, pray. I mean, some of us are really good prayers. Many of us, we, we struggle. Uh, we see it at uh, the prayer meeting, but often just in our own lives. We want to pray, but it, it doesn't happen. We're too busy. I guess often we don't plan. Uh, I don't know, do you plan to pray? Do you schedule it in? <laughs> With most things in life, if you don't plan it, it will never happen. But I think what, what the way we're not motivated to pray is because we've forgotten who we're praying to. We forget the Lord. I mean, from this passage, why wouldn't you pray? First of all, look at this axis. 
How do you feel when you pray if you see this picture? My guess is you often feel like that. Eh? That kind of the, the you're all the way out outside the courtyard. You're kind of trying to get God to hear you. Uh, Lord, I need you. I need your help, but you're not sure because God is all the way inside His tent with all these layers and barriers in the way. Uh, I'm not sure if God will actually hear you. We just we we pray, but we're not sure. No, prayer is right there on the inside. Your prayers are, are right before the throne, right at his heart. That's that's so great, isn't it? That your prayers are just right there. I guess, I don't know, I'm old enough to have lived without mobile phones, which means you didn't have access to a lot of people, right? Uh, you had to make an appointment, you had to, well, I'll see them on Sunday and then I can reach, can talk to them and those kind of things. Certain people, yeah, I'd have to go through certain people to talk to them. Nowadays, you have someone's number, you can call directly. Uh, they're always there, they always pick up, right? That is prayer. Can you imagine? You, you're struggling and you had to wait until Sunday to ask God and then queue up and hopefully you'd be there early enough. <laughs> That's not prayer. Prayer, you can pray 24-7. You, you can pray at work. I mean, do you pray about your work? Well, my, we're, we're, struggling, we're struggling. Do you pray at your work about your work? You can. Being a family in Hong Kong, we find that the toughest at the moment. Just, you know, being here with three kids. Uh, do you pray at home? Do you pray about your family, with your family? You can. Because there is always access, always perfect access. It's never on silent or do not disturb. Perfect access. But also the rest of the passage. I mean, God is merciful. Sometimes yeah, you feel too guilty to pray. The way you've lived, you know, the way you're not a very good Christian and God just won't listen to you. Yeah, sure, you're not a very good Christian, I'm sure. But God is merciful, right? Your, your, your prayers are there before the atonement cover above the law. God is merciful. Of course, you need to repent. God often says, if you don't repent, I won't listen. If you just keep on sinning, of course he won't listen. And you ask for forgiveness. That's why we confess in the service. That's a relational thing. But you know God is forgiving. You know you will not be turned away. Merciful is his nature. Your sin won't stop God hearing your prayers. Why not pray? And, and again, he always cares. That, that altar is there basking in, in, in the light from the lampstand and in, in the smell from the bread. Uh, these symbols of God's constant care, provision, protection. You know, you, you can pray confidently to this God. You know that he's right there uh, with his generous, constant care. A God who will give you everything you need. Uh, everything to make it to him, to, to heaven. Yeah? So, so, yeah, let me encourage you. You know, if you are being struggling with your prayers, if you're struggling with life, you know, meditate on these chapters. That you would know the Lord. And, and when, you, when you know him, what he's done, that, that you would pray yeah? about everything. You can come with everything. Because you know his mercy and care. You know his incredible access. Yeah? It's so wonderful to know the Lord. Great. Why don't we pray about that now? And then I'll leave you to pray on your own. But let's pray together. Father, thank you for this great passage. Thank you for 
Yeah, the way you reveal yourself. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that uh, we, although we are sinners and you are holy, uh, we can come to you. Uh, we know that we've broken the law, but we, we are there uh, in front of your uh, yeah your atonement cover, your, your son Jesus. Through Jesus, we we know your mercy. Thank you for your care and provision that we see in so many ways and we're often not aware of, but make us aware that we and see how much you do for us, how you always care. Help us see the access we have to you, how we can always come to you, how we know we will be with you at the end, and even now our prayers are right there before your throne. Lord, we, uh, we, yeah, we need you, and we know we have you, because you are our God, you're right here with us. Father, we, uh, yeah, please do this work in us. Help us this week as we meditate, and as we then pray, uh, would we know you? And yeah, it would be such a wonderful experience. In Jesus' name, amen.